Hello and welcome to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. My name is Dave Deal. This is the podcast for the side cash hustler. If you want insights, real life experience from people just like you on how they started creating side income, you are in the right place. Documented experiences of people creating a few hundred dollars to extra tens of thousands of dollars a month. Make sure to subscribe and review. This means more than you know. Also, feel free to check us out at selfreliantwealth.com. Before we jump into the episode, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Hello and welcome everybody to the Self-Reliant Wealth Podcast. My name is Dave Deal and I am your host. Today we have a very special guest coming to coming to us, Mr. Gino Barbero. This is a gentleman who has a very extensive background in real estate, has a very large family, and this is a guy that I am very, very excited to chat with just about life in general and real estate and what he's doing currently. He has uh, well over 1,500 units in the portfolio that he's got, and this is going to be a very fun episode. So, Gino, why don't you come out and share a little bit about you and what you've got going on? David, thanks for having me on the show. I've got a lot of things going on. I've got six kids. We homeschool. Uh, it's been a really, for me, remarkable life, to be to be honest with you. I started out, you know, when I graduated college, I went into the corporate world, like a lot of the listeners probably, and I, I just knew it wasn't for me. I, I did not want to be in a cubicle. And the next, you know, step for me was going to the restaurant business because my dad owned the restaurant. So I jumped into the restaurant business. I did that for a long time. And, you know, let's go to fast forward to 2008, where there's the Great Recession. It's similar to what's happening now. You know, a lot of people's lives were disrupted. I was working harder, making less. And that's what really attracted me to real estate back then. But I knew doing a couple of deals prior that I just needed education. I, I didn't know what I was doing. So I got mentored by a couple of different uh, groups in apartment investing. And then from there, I said, you know what? Let's start jumping. I got fortunate. I met Jake back in 2009. He was a pharmaceutical rep at my restaurant, taking out orders for doctors. Met him, thankfully. And then what ended up happening is he moved down to Knoxville. I connected with him in Knoxville again. I said, Jake, let's start buying deals. And that's, you know, we started scaling up. It was just me and him in the beginning. My brother got in a couple of deals brought on a partner, Mike, and our first thousand units, we just bought them internally. And then from there, we started syndicating. So we have a mixture of most of our units are, are owned by ourselves. And then the last three or 400 units that we've done, we've syndicated them. I love it, man. So you definitely have a very full plate. And I, you know, jumping mm -hmm. into this, I'd love to start with uh, the family aspect. What, what has it been like homeschooling, running a very large scale business, and then keeping up with family life and kids as well. I mean, I think anybody out here that, you know, has a corporate job or even is an entrepreneur, finding the balance between family life and activity and work can be very difficult. How do you guys do it? Well, my wife actually was sort of scolding my son who's 18 years old yesterday. And she said to him, she said, Michael, I don't ever want to hear you say that you're busy ever again. Right. When he's making excuses, someone asked him to do something. Well, I'm too busy. That is not a vocabulary that we want to hear in our, in our household. You either say yes or you say no. There's no excuses to it. You make priorities. You really look upon what your values are. And, and my values that I've, it's, it's taken a while to figure out, David, what my values were, right? And what I've done is I've actually used Stephen Covey's second habit. You know, think about what you want people to say at the end of your life when they're, they're at your funeral and really start thinking about what your values are. For me, I, 
I always wanted to create an amazing business. I always wanted to create something scalable. I always wanted to create something with legacy. And I wanted to have my family involved in it. That's what I really wanted more than anything else. And from that, that's how I reverse engineered it. That's how I got into the restaurant business, to be honest with you, years and years ago, thinking that I could create that business. But then when I hit the wall back in 2008, that's how I pivoted into real estate. And I've always had my kids work with me, whether it was at the real the restaurant business for years and years and years, they'd work out in front of the house. And now transitioning into the real estate, we have the Jake and Gino platform, which is the education arm of our business. They're at all our live events. They're selling swag. My two older children are investing in my deals. I'm actually letting them invest in my deals. Deals. I always joke around. I'm like, Mike, you're investing with me. You're liquidating me. You're actually taking some of my percentage away. But it's a joke because that's how you want your kids to really learn, to have skin in the game. So at the end of the month, I get these amazing questions from my son. He's only 18. He's talking about owner draws. He's talking about refine rolling. He's talking about how many units there, there are to turn. He's talking about delinquency. So for me, I just love involving my family in the business. My wife started a podcast with me. We have the podcast called The Multifamily. Zone. That's how I involved her in the business. She actually became a life coach from what I was doing. So to me, it's it's really holistically. Take a look at your life and where you want to place your values and what you make really important. To me, right now, Jake and Gino is my life, and it's part of it's just part of the whole entire family. And we build around that. And homeschooling gives us the ability to be flexible in anything. My mom was here last week from New York. We took a few days off from school. The week before we went down to South Florida and down into uh, near Miami to visit my mom down there. So having the flexibility, not being so rigid as had allowed us to pivot. And I think, you know, having your kids come to a live event with multifamily real estate investors, I mean, that's school in and of itself. So that that's how we stay busy and just every day working on it. I mean, your family is like growing a business. You have to give it a lot of attention and a lot of care and put a lot of emphasis on it. And, you know, I just, I just love, I love having a big family. That's so cool, man. I really do love that perspective so much and involving, you know, the kids and your wife and every aspect of it. Um, Have you ever had, you know, any pushback from them, not wanting to do stuff like that, not wanting to be involved. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I mean, we wrote our second book, The Honeybee, right? And I got it right here for all anyone on YouTube watching. I had all my kids read it, couple of them push back. Uh, you know, when they're 10 years old, do they want to sit at a live event and be bored for six hours? It's, it's tough on them, obviously, right? But just to get them used to it. And once they're used to it, like, you know, there's six of us going out to a restaurant. We, we were always went out to eat because the kids got used to it. It was just part of the routine. Right. And getting them on planes, getting eight people on an airplane. It would, we just got you very used to, we fly a lot as well. So you're going to get pushback and you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing because sometimes you want to have that balance where you're not being overbearing with them and you have to be age responsive. Also, if the, if the child's eight years old, and you're trying to make them read something in real estate, they're not going to like, they're not going to really you know, enjoy that. And they're going to bring that onto their adulthood saying that I don't like reading because years ago, my dad made me read. So I've really throttled that back. I would always tell my kids when they were younger, 10, 11 years old, I'd want them to read the richest man in Babylon. And I, I forced them to read it and they got nothing out of it and they hated the book. And then four years later, when they're 15 and 16, I say, can you read this book? And they got so much more out of it. So you really just have to be sensitive to where the, each kid is in, in their life. And every one of them is so different. I have a couple of them 
that love real estate. One of them wants to get their license and she's only 15 years old. Whereas the other ones, eh, not so much, but just being around the family and listening to the words. Really, I think when you talk about financial intelligence, it's really the vocabulary. When they hear cash, when they hear finance, when they hear mortgage, when they hear contractor, all these words that they're hearing, they're immersing themselves in it. And that's what I think is more important than anything else. And let them come to you. They will come to you and they'll ask and don't be too overbearing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. And I think, you know, the other thing to mention there is just creating it as part of your life and your lifestyle mm-hmm. and your vocabulary, right? Because there's, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of parents out there too that they don't want to involve their kids in the financial aspects of their life or the, you know, the struggles or, you know, if they're going through a tough time or whatever it is. But I feel like that can also be devastating and hurtful where you're talking, you know, with your vocabulary, you're saying mortgage and you're saying cash and, you know, all these different aspects of, you know, regular day-to-day life, your kids hear that they get involved in it, they get immersed and they want to learn versus Mm -hmm. getting older. They have no idea how to do anything, how to work or how to pay for their own stuff or whatever. I feel like is way more detrimental than including them as a part of it from a very young age, even. I think that's where we're lacking right now in our education. I mean, do you want them to learn from, you know, when you go to college, there's really no lessons on finance. I mean, they do, they teach financial modeling and economics, but there's nothing on personal finance. I mean, I created the Jake and Gino Youth Academy for the young adults and for the teens, but more importantly for parents, because a lot of parents are stuck. They don't know where to start. And I think just the basics of where to start in, 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 you know, when you're teaching kids about money, teach them about money, but then teach them about the banking institutions, teach them why there's banks, right? Teach them how to save, teach them all about instant gratification. And it's okay to wait to buy stuff, teach them about a need versus a want, which is really, really important, right? And then just start immersing them in that and that, that, and that just starts the conversation. And then for me, it was always talking about creating a budget. If you really wanna to start tomorrow with your children, just start a budget and that'll probably help you. If you haven't started a budget for yourself, start a budget, it'll be eye-opening. I'll give you a quick story. We moved down here to Florida about four years ago. And as we're moving down, I'm really getting my budgeting along. I had my mortgage, I had my bills and I had a budget for groceries. Now with, you know, can imagine with eight people, we eat organic. So you can imagine our food bill. So I put it, I remember the time was a $3,000 a month food bill. And we, we started the budget and around day 24, we were over three grand. My son at the time, he was younger, he was 14 years old. He's like, dad, mom, we're over the food bill. And my wife got pissed, right? She's like, what do you, what do you mean? You're, you're tracking. I said, yes, we're tracking it, but they at least understand the value of money, how much things cost. Cause right now when you're doing credit card, PayPal, Stripe, you're not really seeing the tangible, what money really is and creating a budget with your kids letting them see where the money goes, letting them see that you have control. I have control of where I spend my money. Do I spend it at Starbucks? Do I spend it at Amazon? Do I save it? Do I go out to dinner? Whatever that is, if you can feel like you are in control of your finances, that to me, I think is the first step, having the control. And then from the budgeting process, let's start saving money for emergencies, right? And then let's start saving for three to six months. Let's have three to six months cushion. As you can see what's going on with the pandemic, some people have needed a lot more than that. But those are the two baselines. And then from there, I think the most important thing that I've taught my kids is don't save for an event, right? We're taught as middle class you know, the middle class to save for an event, save for college, save for retirement. I teach my kids to save to buy an asset or to save for the, to, to invest in themselves. Once you can save for that asset, 
that asset will pay for the event because that asset will not go away. And I think once you have that mind shift, everything changes for you. For me, at least it did, because I remember putting money away in 529 plans, 401ks, between fees and everything else, the returns, they were minimal. Once I stopped that and I started investing in real estate, and I'm like, wow, one of my properties paid for my first child to go to college. I still own that property. It's going to put my second child through college, probably my third and fourth as well. Everything changes. So just starting that conversation with them. And I guess, think, David, one of the last things is when we're teaching our children to save, don't, especially when they're young, you get money whether it's for you know Christmas or for their birthdays, don't take that money away from them and say, I'm going to put it in the bank for you. To them, that sends a signal that saving is, I'm getting penalized. Give them the opportunity to say, hey, I have $10 from grandma. How about we put $5 of it away and you can spend $5. We need to save some of that money, but we need to enjoy it as well. That's one of the things that I did early on that I really wish I hadn't done. Just take money away from the kids and they don't know what saving means when they're early on. It's really becomes appropriate at, at different age levels. I love that so much. And I think, you know, going back to it as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, the business side of it and, you know, running your business at scale. I think all of these things as a parent, really, these lessons that you've instilled into your kids and you've even practiced have probably overflowed into your business and managing your business. And I think that's what, you know, again, a lot of people don't necessarily see or realize, like keeping track and following your money and knowing where it goes and, you know, understanding building reserves and having these larger accounts with as a cushion. I mean, that plays so much into business because, you know, if you're running your business super lean and you have a couple really rough months and you don't have that, you know, reserve or cushion set aside, like you'll be in trouble. Right. And so I think there's mm -hmm. so many components here, you know, that as you're mentioning just how you operate within your family, that it overflows into business. And I think there's a lot that can be gained and, and learned from that. There's so many different things that you can extract from being a good having a good company and having a really good family. The first thing is core values. Every good company has core values. Jake and Gino, growth mindset, extreme ownership, people first, unwavering ethics, and make it happen. And in our family, we have certain core values that we live by and we abide by. In a business, in our business, we have what we call the cadence of accountability. We have morning huddles, we have weekly huddles, we have level 10 meetings every week with every one of our key members on our teams. We have quarterly priorities. And it's the same thing with the family. We have breakfast every morning. We have dinner every evening. We're, we're together and we have those routines. We go to mass on every Sunday, whatever that looks like. Budgeting, really important in multifamily. Every single property you have should have a budget and should be revised. You should know what you're spending as part of every line item in that budget. And you'd mentioned reserves. We have what we call capital expenditure reserves. We have the CapEx reserves. So every business that we have has money put on the side for those rainy days. And then we also have what we call a baseline. Anything we need above a certain dollar amount, we keep, we, we're, we keep in the, uh, we draw anything below that baseline we have to keep it in. So let's say a property has a $10,000 baseline. And at that, at the end of the month, the checking account is 12 grand while well, we're drawing $2,000. So being really disciplined in those areas in business, you know, it's going to spill right over into your, into your, into your family life. Yep. No, I love it, man. So, you know, is somebody starting out here in real estate or they're even continuing to want to grow their portfolio? I mean, where did you start? You mentioned you came from the corporate world and then you transitioned over into real estate. What did that transition look like? What was it like getting started? Talk us through that a little bit. So David, I think the first epiphany that everyone needs to have is, you know, 
multifamily is an entrepreneurial endeavor. You know, Jake and Gino, we like to say we create multifamily entrepreneurs because that's what buying every single property is. We tend to look at it, especially me and I, a lot of the students that join Jake and Gino in, in the beginning, what they think of is tenants, toilets, and trash. They're the landlord. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially when you're starting out. But when you want to scale your portfolio, multifamily is ideal for that because you can hire, you can implement systems in the business. And that's what I couldn't do at the restaurant, not knowing how to do that years ago, right? I had one location for 25 years. I've got over 1500 apartment units in five or six. What ended up happening? I started looking at investing as a multi, 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 um, as an entrepreneurial venture. That's what really changed for me. So every time you're looking at a property, you're buying a property, think of that as like that one individual income stream. How do I work on that property? What systems do I need to implement? When you're first starting out, think of why multifamily for you. If you have enough reasons why, you'll figure out how to do it. And for me, it was real simple. I had a full-time job slash business. I was working at the restaurant 50 to 60 hours a week. I couldn't fix and flip homes, thankfully. So I said, you know what? Multifamily is the next best thing. So I started years and years ago. I bought a fourplex that actually had a storage unit for the restaurant. So I incorporated multiple uses with it. And, and I like that venture because I like dealing with the residents. I liked having that model of having that cash flow come in every month. And I liked it. I, I just like multifamily. I was able to say, you know what? If I can buy a couple of these, I can continue to work the restaurant. And then eventually I can leave the restaurant and do multifamily full time. So that's where my head was in the beginning. I knew my reason why was other than having to pay for, you know, all these things that people say, well, you've got six kids, you've got to pay for funeral weddings, you've got to pay for college and all these different expenses. I said to myself, I can do this part-time until I scale up. And then I started seeing multifamily as, like I said, that entrepreneurial endeavor where you start implementing systems. You're able to hire property managers. You're able to hire maintenance techs full-time. You're able to work on other parts of the business, which is either raising capital, sourcing deals, and implementing those systems to grow that business. So when you're first out there looking at multifamily, first of all, you can do it. Don't tell anybody, don't let anyone tell you that, oh, well, you know what? It's just for the, just for the big, big dogs out there. Jake and I, we started with a 25 unit property and our, on our first deal, we don't want to say, didn't know what we were doing. Didn't want to say we were getting over our, in over our heads. That was a perfect size for us. You know, think big, start small, wherever you feel comfortable. If it's house hacking, getting a duplex, do that. Cause once you do that, you'll get addicted. There's no one out there that does, you know, one deal. You either do no deals or you do multiple deals. And that was the case with myself. That's the case with a lot of the students in Jake and Gino. Figure out why multifamily. I'm here to tell you it's an amazing you know, uh, niche in multifamily. Right now, everyone's saying the valuations are high and all. There's a reason why. There's a lot of demand for it. And I think it's going to continue with demographics. It's going to continue with the affordability issue of housing, with people not wanting to buy homes and getting into renting. I think there's a lot of positives to it. So get into the reason why you want to do it. Figure out how. And then go out there and seek people who are actually doing it. Go out there, educate yourself, right? And then once you do that education, it really, we, we call it education times action, ends up equaling results. I love it, man. And you talked a lot, you've talked a lot about education. You guys mentioned that you have an education platform yourself. Was mm -hmm. there anything that you sought out first in the beginning or what was that source? And then what, you know, what type of education are you guys offering now because you've been able to go through this journey and want to share that with others? 
So for me, when I first started out, I, you know, back in 2005, I got into a mobile home park deal and I wasn't educated. I just had extra money. I'm like, you know what? This is going to be a passive endeavor. And even if you're investing passively, you should still be completely educated because you're giving your money to somebody. That deal crapped out. Two years later, I got into a mixed use deal. That deal didn't work. It took me 10 years of pain to get over that. And then I just said to myself, time out. I'm doing something wrong here. You know, there's a lot of people making money in real estate. What are they doing? So I ended up finding a couple coaches, a couple mentors. I what I say back then is I paid for my education. I ended up thinking I invested in the education, right? Because it was paying me back hundredfold. Bought the first deal with Jake. Bought the second deal. When we bought our third deal, I, you know, Jake says to me, "Let's start a podcast. Let's write a book." So that's what we ended up doing. And I always live by that mantra: learn, do, and teach. Write that down, everybody, because that's important. You want to learn what you're doing, and it's important you learn it. And for me, I'm a kinesthetic learner. So the way I learn is actually by doing it. And once you start doing it, once you start getting into real estate, and you start buying a deal, a second deal, you start creating that framework. We created the buy right, manage right, and finance right framework. And then from there, you start teaching it. And what the amazing thing is, when you're teaching something, you really need to learn what you're teaching. You become a much better investor. And that, that's what ended up happening to me. And then from there, I went to life coaching school, became a certified life coach. I love that space. And just continuing the education process of going through it, making the platforms better, making our videos more entertaining, learning, learning how to become a better teacher, especially through videos, has really helped us out the last couple of years. But it's constant growth. It's just constantly growing and just learning. And what's great about it, we're vertically integrated. So we're buying our deals. We're managing our own deals. So we're able to teach our students what we're doing and what's working right now in the market. Because as you, as you know, real estate is very cyclical. Different parts of the real estate cycle, different debt components coming on and different strategies that people are utilizing. So being up to date and just staying educated is, is what you know has made us really good investors. I love it, man. That is so awesome. And I think you're right on the money. I mean, it's so it's so worthwhile. And I think, you know, when I first got started too, I had this thought, well, I don't necessarily want to go spend money to, to learn mm -hmm. this from somebody else. And we have that hesitation, right? I mean, yes. my first introduction to, to real estate was dropping $20,000 on a, an education program. Mm -hmm. But again, it's paid me, you know, 10 to a hundred fold easy based mm -hmm. on the relationships I've built. You know, you can't really account or create a, a a monetary dollar amount to that with mm -hmm. those relationships. But then from an actual dollar standpoint, I've yeah, quadrupled or more that investment. And I continue to do so as I, as I grow and adapt and learn and do more deals and everything else. So well, it's worth it. The crazy part though, is that, that one technique you may learn, you may never have heard of cost segregation and then you learn it from your mentor. You're like, I never knew. I could cost segregate my assets and get depreciation or self-directed IRA. I, well, that's the first thing back in 2008, when I heard that I can invest my money in a 401k and I could self-direct it into real estate. To me, that was, that was game changing because if I'm not investing my own money, I can still raise capital from others who are doing it and use their self-directed IRA. I never knew what syndication was, right? I always thought I got to buy my own deals. Well, syndication is another thing that I learned from my mentors and my 
biggest stuck point, Dave, when I first started out really was due diligence. I sucked at due diligence. And if you have a mentor or a coach or a program that's out there teaching you what we talk about the three-step due diligence framework, when you're really diving in the numbers and asking the right questions and getting the right inspection report out there, you can save literally thousands of dollars just from doing proper due diligence, not on one deal, but every deal you do for the rest of your life. You know, our coach Bill Ham says, you're either going to pay your tuition on the street or in the classroom. You've got a choice. And I started on the street. And man, let me tell you, it didn't cost thousands of dollars. It cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. So when you're talking about 20 grand, I wish I had spent that before I bought that mobile home park because then I wouldn't have done the deal. Or if I would have done the deal, I would have structured it differently and I would have not made those mistakes. So everyone out there, you know, investing in your education is investing in yourself, being responsible for yourself. That's what 2008 really made me realize. When I was out there complaining about everything, I read the book from T. Harvecker, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And he basically said, hey, Gino, this is speaking to me. You know what? You don't have the skills. You know, you don't have the, the, the roots that are going to, that are going to, create those fruits that you want. What do you need to do? And that really hit me hard. I was really mad for a couple of days, but then ultimately the book told me and that, that how it spoke to me was you need to be responsible, the ability to respond that Stephen Covey says. And once I realized that, okay, now what skills do I need to learn? And that's, that's how I took off. And I said, you know what? I can do it by myself and try to fumble around or I can find somebody who's done it. Success leaves clues. And I just found somebody who did it. That's so cool, man. I love it so much. So I've got two more questions for you. And, uh, you know, we're getting kind of close on time, but I want to ask this first one. Um, when, when you hit roadblocks, when you hit some of these challenges or these pivotal moments in your life and your career, what are some of the ways that you overcome them? Because I think a lot of people, you know, they may go out there, they start getting some of that education, they start learning some of these different pieces, but then all of a sudden they hit a challenge or an obstacle and they have a very, very important decision. Do they quit or do they keep going? You mentioned, you know, those first deals that you did, you, you got your butt kicked on it a little bit and you lost money. What kept you moving forward? Why did you keep doing that? I'm writing down notes because that this, that could be the genesis or of this entire uh, conversation. But I'll, I'll keep it short, David. Number one, I have an amazing partner, Jake Stenziano. By far, that accountability piece holds me because yesterday we got bad news. We lost the deal, right? And I could have hem and hawed all day. I could have been really pissed off. I could have been very unproductive. And number two, somebody didn't show up on our podcast. So we stood up on a podcast. I got a couple of other bad pieces of news yesterday, all in one day, five or six or seven or 10 years ago, that probably would have crushed me. But having that accountability piece, having that support person there to say, hey, you know what? I'm in it with you. Not a big deal. Let's take the next one. That was really, really so important for me. And the second one is, is my spouse, is my wife. She's amazing. And, and she's she's got my back. And she's given me the latitude to take these chances. And she has full faith in me because she knows that I put in the hard work. I've put in thousands of hours of education. I do take massive action. I've done my massive education. So I'm really responsible from that perspective. So knowing that I know that she has my back and then she has faith in me, has given me the confidence to, to do that. But I, I honestly think the, you know, having Jake as a partner has really helped out. And because he has rough days, I have rough days and we share, we share what's going on, but it comes back to, you know, having the clarity, right? Once we have clarity, we have focus, we can accomplish what we want to. If when we lack clarity, 
That's the problem. We're not, we don't lack motivation. We lack the clarity and you know what? We lost the deal. It's okay, Gino. It may take us another three months to find another deal, but we've got other stuff that we can work on. Focusing on that and having him say that to me, he was like, okay, I got over that yesterday. What do I got on the calendar today? And always sharing wins. I mean, there are other things did happen yesterday that were really, really great. I had a great podcast with my wife in the afternoon yesterday. We went out to dinner with my mom. So from, from New York. So a lot of other great things happen. I think what happens is we dwell on all the negatives and there's so many other positive things going out there. And the last thing, David, is everyone out there, just have, be grateful, have gratitude. I think gratitude will crush fear. When you're grateful for what you have, man, that just supersedes a lot more stuff. So when I wake up in the morning, I always think to myself before my feet, my, my feet hit, the, hit the floor, man, be grateful. Another great day. What are we going to do today? I love it, man. So good. Uh, I did think of one other question, though, as you were talking, and it goes back to that clarity piece. You have a lot of different moving pieces within your business, your education side, your multifamily, tons of different units, mm -hmm. family. How do you manage it all and how do you balance and know when to cut things out? That's tough for an entrepreneur when you first start out, because when we first start out, I said, it's the I'm a mentality. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And as you're growing, you need to shed that person and you need to become a different person. That's the inflection. That's the growth piece. And it's, it's, it's been hard for me because I'm a control person, but I knew early on I couldn't do the bookkeeping. So I needed to get a bookkeeper. And then, you know what? I wasn't great at sales with Jake and Gino, so I needed to hire a salesperson. And, and you know, David, when you're out there thinking, I need to hire, you've already waited too long. Mm -hmm. Go out there, and I guarantee you, you will 5X that decision. And from the salesperson, then we got an operations manager at Jake and Gino. Now we're hiring an executive assistant. Now we hired another business development person. It's in stages. Don't rush. You don't have to rush your growth. There's no competing with somebody else. You need to grow at your own level. So for me, understanding that and growing and trying to implement systems a little bit at a time and you'll get there and having people come on the team and help you out, you can't do everything on your own. When you've got 20 units, you can. But when you've got 200 units, you can't do it all by yourself. And you have to have that self-awareness to understand that. And as far as the property management, like I said, we're vertically integrated. So David, I'm not going out there trying to buy 3000 units a year, because we don't third party property manage, I'd rather buy three or 400 really good units a year, be able to scale our property management team, you know, efficiently and effectively, and do that. So knowing your goals and knowing your values, it comes back to your values, knowing that I'm trying to build a really amazing business here and try to help as many people as possible. I can't be packing swag boxes and I can't be doing those tasks that I should be having somebody else delegating. And it, it's, it's really hard and difficult, but I challenge everybody out there. What tasks are you doing that you can offload to somebody else? There's VAs around, there's your kids who can do it. I mean, like Jake, I remember in the beginning, first two years, he was editing the podcast. Not only was he, would he did he suck at it, he hated it. And you know, what does that cost nowadays? 15 or 20 bucks an hour? So start looking at things that you can start offloading to other people and, you know, obviously keep an eye on it, but man, there's other tasks out there that you should be focusing on. I love it, man. Such good advice. As we're wrapping up here, the last question I have that I love asking every single person I have on this podcast, and I think you're going to have some excellent wisdom to this. And in essence, the question is, if you're given one more day to live, what advice or wisdom would you leave behind with your family, your team, your clients, whatever that may be? It's, it's ironic because I only have one day left to live. I, I would tell them, focus on the long term. 
and, and whether you're building a business, whether you're building a family, whether you're building relationships, we, we think of that short-term gratification and you really want to build long-term and anything that I've had in my life that's 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 worth it, it's long-term, whether it's the real estate business, whether it's Jake and Gino. And it took me three years before I even saw a nickel of revenue that, that was positive with Jake and Gino. It was a long time building. Same thing with real estate, multifamily. You may buy a property, it may take you 18 months before you cash roll on that property once you stabilize it. So have a long-term, you know, outlook on life. And for me, you know, work hard. You know, there's, there's so many things out there that people say, oh, the four-hour work week and this. Now, obviously, you have to work smart. But when you start out in any endeavor, there's a lot of hard work. And don't be afraid of the hard work because ultimately that hard work is going to pay off. You know, your results are a lagging indicator of what your success is. So you're going to be putting in the hard work, hard work, hard work. It's going to be flatline. Then I guarantee you one day you're going to see an uptick and it's going to be all worth it. I love it, man. This has been such an awesome episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Um, if people want to reach out to you, check out the education, your book, um, or just connect with you, what what does that look like? What's the best way to get in contact with you? David, they can just reach out to uh, jakeandgino.com. We have our blogs on there. We have podcasts on there. I mean, if anyone wants a copy of Creative Cash book, we just launched best-selling on, on Amazon. Just email me, gino at jakeandgino.com, and I'll send you out a PDF copy of it. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. This seriously has been such a, an eye-opening episode for me, and I just loved you know, every aspect talking about the family and going into the business aspect and your transition from the restaurant. There's so many golden nuggets in this episode. And so again, I really appreciate you taking the time. Everybody out there, always remember to infuse hope to those in need by teaching mm -hmm. correct principles that lead to result-driven action. Gino, this has been awesome, man. I'll make sure to uh, let our guests know where they can reach out to you. And I hope we all have an awesome day. Thanks, David. Thank you. Are you tired of using 10 different platforms to manage your CRM, your Google My Business reviews, text campaigns, email campaigns, calendar invites, website builds? I was too. I used ClickFunnels, Kartra, JotForm, Calendly, you name it, I tried it. I came to the conclusion that I needed one software platform that could do all of this in one place. With Sluicebox, I was able to do all of this and more. Go check out sluicebox.io today to change your life and make it that much easier and that much more simple to manage all of your leads, all of your customers, and everybody in one spot. Sluicebox.io. Are you ready to learn how you can take your life and your business to the next level? Learn how you can create side income and have different assets pay for your life and your lifestyle? Tune in next week to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. This is Dave Deal signing out. Thank you so much and have a great week.